Well, good morning. I'm a little nervous today, so y'all bear with me. I was really nervous. I was scared my mic was going to cut on when we were singing. And then I really had a problem. Uh, uh, well, it's, it's great to be in the, the house of the Lord with y'all today. And uh, it's a great honor for me to get to stand here and share God's word with y'all today. Um, look around this room. I see my family here. Thank y'all for being here for me and supporting me. And uh, a lot of y'all in this church, y'all have helped shape me and grow me to the man I am today. I want to thank y'all for that. Uh, y'all are probably the first crowd that I've ever had to speak to in a, or preach a sermon to. I, I write sermons on occasions uh, working with the youth, but they're generally small, mini sermons. Um, so I'd ask you to bear with me. Normally, uh, teenagers... What I like about them is they can, they can get off track very easily. So you're always having to reel them in. So I can make a, I can make a sermon stretch out quite a long time with them. So, um, but this one, about three weeks ago, uh, Brother Richard came to me, and uh, uh, I was running a little late. Uh, when I got to church, most, most of y'all probably fixed your plate and was in the classroom. and uh, So I was fixing my plate, trying to hurry up and get up there with the kids, and uh, I ran into him. He's like, uh, Joey, I need, I need you to come see me this afternoon or after, this after services is over. He was kind of stern about it, too. I was like, yes, yes sir. I, where are you going to be? You in, in your office or are you going to be in here? He's like, no, I'll, I'll probably be in here. Just come by and see me. I was like, okay. So you can imagine the next hour I was kind of nervous. You know, I was like, man, what was he going to talk to me about? I done done something. Am I in trouble? But it uh, just turns out when I walked in, he's like, well, you ready to preach your first sermon? Uh, yeah, why not? But now's a good time any, right? You know, so, so that's kind of how that went. Well, when I got home, I asked Leah, I, t- I told her, I said, you know, Brother Richard asked me to, to preach for him in a couple weeks. She says, really? I said, yeah. She's like, well, what do you think you're going to preach on? I don't have a clue. So I guess I'll just have to pray about it and see where God leads me. And, uh, and God did lead me somewhere. Uh, he did, but that night when I was sitting in my recliner, I, I started kind of panicking a little bit. So I usually, when I panic, I usually go to Google. I have to Google what's going on, what I'm dealing with, an issue, whatever. So I wasn't concerned on what I was going to preach. I was more concerned on how to deliver a message or a sermon. So I began to Google, and, and on these sites that I was going to, I kept kind of seeing the same thing over and over. Seven tips to preach your best sermon, you know, your first sermon. So when I got there, uh, most of them just said, you know, just preach. You know, keep it simple. Uh, don't, don't go off into too much knowledge that you don't have. Don't, don't try to just sit there and feel and babble on. Uh, just keep it simple. Uh, in other words, just preach Jesus and let everyone get to lunch early. So uh, I'm not, I'm not going to promise you're going to get to lunch early, uh, but I, I will do my best, you know, to help us out there. But um, anyway, uh, I just ask y'all to just Pray for me today that I can hide myself behind the cross and that uh, I can share the words that God wants you to hear today. So, um, uh, if, you, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in uh, the book of Acts. Um, my sermon's called Leaving a Legacy. Uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Uh, if, you, if you have your Bible, uh, I'd ask you to, to stand with me as we get ready to read. 
Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, if you look behind the pew there, you'll see a, a black ESV version Bible. It's the same version that I'm reading out of. I'd ask you to open that up and follow along with me. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you today, be free, feel free to take that with you uh, as a gift. Um, we're not going to chase you out to church if you carry that Bible out with you. That's, that's a gift we want you to have. We want, it's very important that everybody has a copy of God's Word that they can read. So uh, please, please take that with you. All right, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. All right. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father as fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken from you, up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Grace Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning, Lord, and just ask you to just let us meditate and open our hearts to these words that we just read, Lord. Um, Lord, I ask that we can apply uh, this message to our lives, Lord, and that we can... Uh, um, share your gospel with others, Lord, and um, just um, show your love, everyone, Lord, through us. Lord, we thank you for the legacy that you've left for us to follow, the example that you have left, Lord. We just pray today that uh, we can show that to others and show them what love is, show them what, what you are, what you did for them. Ask all these things in your blessed name. Amen. All right, y'all be seated. Y'all making me nervous standing up like that. All right. All right, uh, I'd like to start off giving you a little, uh, little background here on the book of Acts as I was doing some research. Um, as we're starting off in the beginning of it, the book of Acts was, was written by the apostle Luke. Uh, this is the same Luke that we see uh, as wrote the, the gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke was a, was a physician or a doctor, and um, many people believe that, uh, that Luke possibly could have wrote the book of Acts uh, while, he was, while Paul was uh, waiting to be seen before Caesar, while he was on house arrest. Uh, so, possible that he could have done that. Um, it's possible that he could have wrote this as a defense for Paul, uh, that, that it could have been used to show Rome that 
Christianity was not a threat to the Roman Empire. Uh, the main theological emphasis we see with the book of Acts is, is dealing with the Holy Spirit and the work that he does through his church, through Jesus' church here on earth. Uh, we can see how the gospel uh, spreads uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, it starts off in Jerusalem, moves on to Judea and Galilee, Maria, on to Syria, on to Rome, then on to the world. Uh, in the first verse of Acts, uh, we can see where Luke references back to his first book. Um, then we see a name. We see a name, Theophilus. Now, Theophilus means loved by God or lover of God. Um, we don't know uh, if who Theophilus really was. Uh, many of the scholars think that Theophilus was a highly placed Roman official. Um, or it could have possibly been uh, written to lovers of God, to, to all Christians, to all people to, to read. Um, so either way, Luke went on to dedicate the books that he wrote to this person, this Theophilus. Uh, when we look on in the scripture there, we see that, um, that Luke is, is making an important statement. Um, and he's, he's writing about all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Uh, if you've ever read the book of God, the, the, the Gospel of Luke, you know that it's about um, Jesus' life through his birth, through his ministry, um, onto his crucifixion, then to his resurrection, and then eventually his ascension. Um, it's kind of more of like a story of what Jesus did and said while he was on earth. But if we notice what Luke says here, he wrote something kind of kind of strange that I thought was was different. But he says that he in his second book here in the book of Acts, he says that he was writing about all that Jesus began both to do and teach. That's a that's a strange way to begin your second volume, right? I mean, you've already written everything in your first book about Jesus's life from start to finish. You think this might mean that Luke might have left out a bunch of stuff Jesus didn't do while he was on earth? You think he left this out of his first book? While that might be true, uh, we know that, that the books couldn't contain all that Jesus did. So that's probably true. Uh, however, I think, I think what Luke's getting at is he was talking about the, the gospel of, of Luke was was written about the things that Jesus did while he was on his earthly ministry. But the book of Acts is what he continues to do through his church from heaven. What the Holy Spirit does from heaven. You know, so so we kind of pick up here. This is where we're going to kind of pick up going through our scripture now. Uh, this is this is after Jesus has been crucified. Jesus is back. Uh, we see him uh, here with his disciples. Uh, he was on the earth for 40 more days after he uh, was resurrected. Um, he's shown himself. He's appeared to, to his disciples on many occasions, showing them proof. They're, he's showing them he's alive. Uh, he's showing them the wounds in his hand, the wounds in his side. You know, they oftentimes, the first time they saw him, they almost thought he was a spirit, not, not a real person. But there's something we see that Jesus does. When he comes to them like that, he offers to eat with them. It's not going to eat with you. It was proven that he was real, that he had beaten death, that he's back with them. So here we are. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're meeting here, and Jesus is, is giving them instructions. He's telling them about the kingdom. Um, 
he's, he's, he's showing them proof that he's alive. Uh, what, do you, what do you think was, was so important that Jesus had to, to say to the disciples when he left? Now, what was, what was so important that he had to say? I think he had to say that he was trying to tell them about an inheritance to come. He was trying to tell them about a legacy that was being built. Um, when I think about the word legacy, I often think about Marvel, character from Marvel. It's one of my favorite characters. Uh, it's the Iron Man. Everybody know the Iron Man, Mr. Tony Stark? If you don't know who he is, uh, he, was, uh, he was a comic book character that was... That was drawn by Stan Lee back in March of 1963. Uh, and Stan Lee kind of come up with this character as a way to, to battle communism uh, during the Cold War. So he developed this character, and I'll give you a little background if you don't know who Iron Man is. He was, he was portrayed as an uh, ingenious uh, scientist. He was an American-made, uh, American wealthy, uh, multi-billionaire uh, he, uh, he goes and he suffers a chest injury during, during uh, an attack. And his captors, they kidnap him. Well, they force him in this room and they put all these weapon parts in there and they ask him to build them a weapon of mass destruction. But instead, he goes on and he builds a mechanical suit of armor to save himself from these captors. So when he gets back, he goes on and he develops this suit and he uses it to protect the world. He makes different versions of it. And, and he goes on and uses this suit for the protection of the world. In 2008, uh, Marvel decided to start bringing these characters, these comic book characters, to life. We start seeing them come to the movie screen. Um, it was, uh, I think there's been 23 movies since they started. Uh, these, these movies have really taken the industry by storm. They're, they're, they're growing uh, some of the highest grossing videos out there, and people can relate to them because they see their heroes coming to life. Um, but what I like about Tony Stark, what I think is interesting about him is that we keep seeing this idea of legacy building with him. About, uh, it's, a, it's a theme that constantly recurs over and over. is, is about legacies. What are you going to leave to the people coming behind you? Uh, what is it about you that you've done you're going to leave behind for someone else? What is, what is Jesus about to say to his disciples? Make sure that he can leave them with something that they can go forward. Um, after all, the disciples, they've just got Jesus back. We've just got him back. They have, they have some hope now. Um, he's telling them, look, guys, I've got to go. I can't, I can't stay. But I want to leave something for you. I want to leave something for you when I'm gone. These disciples, these, these are the same people that have given up everything they've known to follow him. They've given up all their life. They've given up their possessions. Their friends, they're, they're following Jesus with everything they have. And what does, Jesus, what does Jesus tell them to do in the Scripture here? After all these things, he's, they just got him back. He's telling them, i got to go. What does he tell them? He says, do not depart. Do not depart. Wait in Jerusalem 
to the promise of the Father. Wait? Man. How about you, but I don't like to wait. Any of y'all like to wait? Now, waiting is, is probably uh, one, of, one of the toughest things. Most of our lives we spend waiting. Um, many of us would rather do the wrong thing than wait. Right? Don't like waiting. Uh, truth be told, we spend most of our lives waiting. Waiting on doctor's appointments. Waiting to get out of high school. Waiting to go to college. Waiting for that right man or woman to come along. Waiting for your prayers to get answered. Whatever it is, if you stop and think about it, man, we spend so much time waiting. No, it's, uh, waiting is one of the hardest acts of a Christian life. One of the hardest acts. Yet we spend a lot of our time waiting. We all have to wait whether we like it or not. Uh, I got a few characteristics I want to give you. Uh, three unique characteristics of Christian waiting. Uh, the first one is Christian waiting is perpetual. What I mean by perpetual is it's not it doesn't change. It's never ending. It's something that's always there. It's a it's not a temporary time. Uh, our whole identity is built on this. Uh, it's it's built around. Uh, waiting because we're people that believe in something we can't see we believe in something that's not readily apparent to us you know it's not it's not something that i can walk and say hey there it is you know there are things that that are coming and things that have yet to come that we believe in so to be a christian means to wait whether we like it or not the second one is Christian waiting is busy. For most of the world, they see uh, waiting as a time of idleness. And sometimes we ourselves quite often fall into this. Um, you're somewhere and you, you have to wait. Most of the time we see, we see people pull out their phone. Got to look at Facebook. Got to check Instagram. Got to play a game. They have to seek some form of entertainment. They don't just sit there. Um, but being a Christian, we, we should wait differently than this. Our waiting should be filled with a purpose. It should be filled with meaning. It should be filled with action. Uh, it, it shouldn't be, we shouldn't realize that, that, that timing like this, having to wait, it's not bad timing on our part. It's something God's given us to make the most of. I mean, we should, we should wait Making the most of that time. The last one is Christian waiting is hopeful. In many cases, um, waiting, sometimes uh, we have a sense of fear or doom in waiting. Uh, you've ever been to a hospital with someone, they're in surgery, you know what I'm talking about. You're waiting, you're waiting on a doctor or a nurse to come out and tell you that they did good or that everything's going to be okay or that they're in recovery. That's what you like to hear. They're in recovery. Oh, everything's going to be okay now. Um, but during the middle of that waiting, man, we just get this, this doom feeling. You know, we, we, we're scared that something bad's going to happen. 
Um, but as a Christian, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't fear bad news. We really shouldn't because, and ultimately, there's only good news. It's, it's not that bad news doesn't come to Christians or non-Christians. I mean, it comes to all of us. But there's only good news. We shouldn't fear bad news because ultimately there is only good news. We should trust that even if our circumstances have changed, we are secure in the hands of a loving God. Even if at times it might be difficult to see how He is working all things for our good and His glory. In this, that we can have hope. That's what I'm talking about when I say Christian waiting is hopeful. When I, when I said that statement there, even if, uh, there's, a, there's a song that my wife Leah loves. It's, it was written by Mercy Me. Uh, they were the same band that just did uh, I Can Only Imagine. The movie came out about it. It's a beautiful song. Um, they have another song called Even If. And um, he wrote this song uh, when he found out about his son. His son uh, had a chronic illness, which my son has, diabetes. That's what he wrote the song about. Uh, so you can imagine how that song relates to my family when we hear it come on the radio. Um, it's, a, it's a horrible disease that we don't like dealing with. We're, we're always having to prick Grant's finger or get up in the middle of the night and see what his sugar's doing. Give him some candy. You know, He often wants to know, why, why did this happen to me? And me and his mom have to tell him, you know, hey, we don't know. But I have to tell him this. I don't know why this happened to you. But God's going to use this for His glory one day. He's going to use this for you to help someone else. I don't have all the answers to why things happen to us. But we have to understand that God is using these, these things, good or bad. They're used to test our faith. They're used to draw us nearer to Him. And that's what He wants. You know, I don't know why they happen, but they do. I want to tell you something about this song that, that Bart Millard stated uh, about the song, Even If. He stated this. He says that God was worthy long before any of these circumstances showed up. In fact, what Christ had already done on the cross is all that we need to get through the situations. It's a foundation that was built long before those difficulties came to be. And he says that this song is a declaration to God that even if he were silent and never said another word, he is still worthy to be praised and that he's our greatest hope in the midst of trials. We all have to wait whether we like it or not. We have to wait for things that happen, good things and bad things. That's just the way it is. The disciples had to wait. Uh, we can see back in, in the scriptures, uh, the disciples are sitting around and they're having a, a conversation. They're probably having a meal. And we see their conversation turn to the future. It's to a time when Jesus would return to heaven and they would be left to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Can you imagine the excitement around that table while they're eating. I mean, the disciples, they've got a glimpse of hope now. They're, they're looking at a man that has beaten death. 
they're looking at a man that is resurrected. Can you imagine what kind of hope they got sitting in this room now? I mean, I can just picture them. I mean, like, James, you and John, man, y'all get started on a, on a mission statement, man. It's time to get this thing going. Pete, Peter, man, work, work out a 10-year plan. Matthew, you used to be an accountant, right? Man, man go, pick, go crunch some numbers. Figure out how much money we're going to need to get this thing rolling. Lord, what do you want us to do? And they're excited here. They're, they're wanting to get out and do something. But the Lord, when they ask him this, he's got a very simple and quite shocking answer for them. Don't do anything yet. Wait for the promise of the Father. I don't know about you, but if it was me in this situation, I'd kind of be like, Lord, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think we should be waiting here. You know, I think we should go somewhere else and wait. You know, Jerusalem is not a safe place right now. Um, Jerusalem just killed Jesus. Those same men that did that, they're, they're still in power. If they would kill Jesus, they certainly wouldn't mind running down and cracking his followers down and killing them too. If you were a follower of Jesus, there was probably... Any place on earth that was better to go wait than Jerusalem was. So even the disciples had to wait, whether they liked it or not. They had to wait whether they wanted to in this place or not. It would have certainly been easier for them to wait somewhere else than here. But Jesus commanded them to stay. He says, there's something here that I want to communicate that they can all understand. If we look back at verse 6, uh, we see the disciples, they, they've come back together at a different time. Only this time, they're, they're, their mindset's a little different. They're asking him, Lord, are you about to fix things in Israel? Are you about to make things all right? They're telling Jesus, Jesus, we just watched them murder you, beat you. Crucify you. And you lived to tell the story. The temple curtain has been torn in half. There is destruction to the way things look right now in our lives, in the lives of the Jews. If there is any time to restore the kingdom, now's the time. And you got the bases loaded. We're ready to knock it out of the park. See, there. Their mindset here is they think they're in the end times now. They, they don't even realize things are just beginning. Things are beginning now. It's not the end. But see, to a Jew, he's Jewish. They, they've grown up with these prophecies from, from all these, these uh, prophets. They're, 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 they know Joel chapter 2. See, to them, when, when the Spirit gets poured out on all flesh... Man, that's a time to it's a time, that's a sign to go. It's not a time to stay, it's a time to go. You know, so their mindset's kind of kind of thinking here, hey man, we're in the end times. No, let, let me go get my bags. Let me get on my cloud. I'm going with you, Jesus. You know. But Jesus says, Oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. Not for you to know time or place or seasons that the Father has set up by his own authority. 
Jesus is trying to point them back to the Father here. He's like, look, that's on my dad. That's on my father to pick out the times and places when these things happen. Not for us. He's trying to show them the importance that a father has to play in this moment. He's trying to show them what the father has to play here. Not him. See, the father has been there since the beginning. Jesus has been there since the beginning. But he wants them to look father in this moment. He wants them to look at the one, the God, Elohim, the beginning and the end. Jesus is trying to focus the disciples' attention on this person in the Godhead. But why? Why is he trying to focus their attention to this person? It's, it's because the Father is designed to leave a living will to his children. We see this throughout Scripture. We see it with Abraham, the father of many nations. He leaves an inheritance to those who come after him. He leaves a legacy to those coming after him. When we talk about the word inheritance, uh, money often comes to mind. We often think of money or a special possession. We think of a granddaddy's gun. You know, something like that in an inheritance. And we think of a check that we can physically get and go deposit. Uh, Sometimes they leave us a check to give to somebody else. No. Whatever this is, they often specify this in a will. That's not, what, that's not the kind of inheritance I'm talking about. That's not the kind of legacy I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about worldly things. I'm talking about something greater. You see, the Father is giving a gift through the Son to give to everyone. The Father is leaving a legacy through the Son to give to each one of you. When, when I think about this legacy and this father and son relationship here, I think back at Iron Man again. There's a clip where Howard Stark is Tony's father. And he wants to leave something for his son, but he wants to leave it, he, he left it hidden. The son wasn't even here when he made this. But he, he leaves something for his son to find later. To use and save the world with. I have a short video clip I want to play you. Uh, Amber, if you'd play that for me. Tony, you're too young to understand this right now, so I thought I would put it on the phone for you. I built this for you. And someday you'll realize that it represents a whole lot more than just people's inventions. It represents my life's work. This is the key to the future. I'm limited by the technology of my time. But one day you'll figure this out. And when you do, you will change the world. What is and always will be my greatest creation is you. The Father built a kingdom for us that we didn't understand. He built it with us in mind before we even knew what to do with it. 
And he loved us enough to tell us that we're going to figure this thing out. See, God's creation is about his son. And through the Father, we're all going to understand that there's something far greater to build. It all started with a deposit. We are building a legacy on what our Heavenly Father has deposited us with, what He created and left us with. The greatest creation is the Son, and through the Son, there is a plan to build a kingdom to come that we don't even understand yet. We can't, we can't fathom what heaven is. We see a, a short glimpse of what heaven, what we think it is. But I promise you, our human brains are, are not... We can't describe in words what heaven's going to be like. What this creation coming is. And it's, it's going to be amazing. I mean, it's going to be truly amazing. But we see that Tony Stark, he was building a legacy on what his father had deposited him with. Uh, the son was always there. Uh, his father gave him something to do that he couldn't see or understand. But that's in a movie. In the gospel, the plan was to redeem the world from the beginning. The Son was always there. It was just in the fullness of time that He had to come. And when Jesus came, He fulfilled the greatest legacy of all by laying His life down for ours on a wooden cross. How much more does your heavenly Father want to leave you with? He wants to build a legacy with you. The deposit's already been left. Folks, if, if we leave out of this world without ever sharing Jesus with somebody, we don't, if we leave out of here without ever sharing His, His gospel with someone, then we miss the whole point. You missed the whole point. Jesus was leaving a gift. He was leaving a legacy behind so that he wasn't the only one leaving something. He was trying to leave an example for us to say, hey, you need to leave something for someone else, not just me. That's, that's what he wanted. And that's what we should do. The gift is something that the Father wanted to give to each and every one of you. He wanted to give it to me. This gift that I'm talking about is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes and is inside you, He's going to help you understand what kind of legacy I'm talking about. He's going to help you understand what kind of legacy you need to be leaving behind. If you've been gifted the Holy Spirit, you have an obligation to leave a legacy. If you're a mother or a father, you have an obligation to leave a legacy. If you're a grandparent, you have an obligation to leave a legacy. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you have the responsibility to share the gospel. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, you have an obligation to leave a legacy behind for someone else. It's our job to show others what eternal life is and what it, what it became from Jesus making these sacrifices for us. It's our job to tell the world about who He is and what He did for them. 
It doesn't get to stop with us, y'all. It doesn't get to stop with you. Eternal life is not something that happens when you die. Eternal life is not something that happens when you get to heaven. Eternal life begins the moment you give your life to Him. Right here. It can happen right here at this altar. That's when it begins. What kind of legacy are you leaving behind? Has your children or your grandchildren, have they ever seen you bend your knee to a mighty God? Have they seen you humble yourself to God? Are you teaching them about who God is and how much He loves them and what He wants for them? Are you teaching the others around you, your family, your friends, your co-workers about who God is? Can they see Jesus in the way that you're living your life? I'm going to finish up with this. What are you leaving to the people coming after you? Go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Grace Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning, Lord, and I just ask you to just place this on our hearts, Lord. What kind of legacy are we leaving behind, Lord? Are we, are we following the example that you left for us, Lord? Lord, I pray that we are. Lord, I pray that there's anybody in here today that, that doesn't have Jesus, Lord. He doesn't, they don't know him as your Lord and their Lord and Savior, Lord, that they will find him today. Lord, I just thank you for the example that you leave us, Lord, and the and the, the graciousness that you've shown us, Lord, as, as we're unworthy sinners, Lord. But I just pray today that, that if there's anybody that hears my voice today, Lord, that today will be the day that they give their life to you. I ask all these things in your blessed name. Amen.